right, we're transitioning to the main screen now. We are on, we are Splash Play. I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt because we got some fancy new graphics. And I'm Chris Spax, joined by a man suffering a little bit on the East Coast, having to be awake right now, a little later than you should be. But you do it all for the people. He's Pete Overzet. How are you doing, Pete? I'm doing good. I, I am bummed I didn't get the memo on the floral polo because I, for, you know, for like the first three months of quarantine, like everybody, I was just wearing shorts and sweatpants or whatever repeatedly. And then I started doing uh, my randomizer streams and I was like, I'm going to make this like my thing where I go out, even though I'm just walking down to my computer and I started wearing my, my polos. And so now I, if I would have gotten the memo, uh, I could have made Splash Play my new uh, polo show as well, but maybe I have to do it going forward. To be clear, this is pure Hawaiian shirt. It may look like a polo, but it is, it's is—it's got buttons all the way down. It's um, honestly very not breathable. I think I got it for a Hawaiian shirt day we had when we first opened the Barstool New York office, and um, and it still exists for me now. And I, you know, I just wanted to make sure that we had the vibe right because we have our graphics. I mean, we need to talk about it here. We want to get to football. That's obviously the thing we're here to do. Talk some Thursday night football. Going to also give you guys our ride or die picks for the week along with the rest of our week one overview here. But um, our graphics look much better than the quality of this podcast is going to be. I'll just say it up top. <laughs> Yeah, uh, our guy, Doug, uh, he has done some graphic stuff for me uh, before, and we uh, we hit him up with a very ambiguous prompt of like kind of the vibe we were going for. And and you and me were kind of talking back and forth about it. And I remember saying to you, I'm like, let's just give him a general prompt. And I promise you, he will do better than if we could come up with the exact idea of what we want him to do. Yeah, so shout out, Doug. Uh, make sure to follow at Splash Play Pod. We're going to actually start to promote this stuff and uh, get the episodes out. And um, you'll notice on the screen, if you're watching on YouTube or if you go on any of these social media handles at Splash Play Pod, you'll see that I say new episodes, or we say new episodes Sunday and Thursday. Um, and we're putting them out Sunday and Thursday night. We'll be recording after Thursday night football, recording after Sunday night football. But um, this is one of those ambiguous times, Pete, where is it actually Sunday and Thursday? Like, do, are we misleading people already? Are we false advertising from the jump yeah i mean you know by the letter of the law if you get this out by 11 59 p.m thursday west coast time i mean i think we can't be legally held responsible you know i think we do that will hold up in court that said you know we really i mean we got to be transparent with our viewers we got to let them know it might be friday morning when they first see this it's true. We're trying to get it out so you have it for that Friday commute that you don't have or the, the Monday morning commute that nobody has. It's really genius strategizing, but that is an important thing to know. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, make sure you are subscribed. Hit the notification bell so you'll see whenever we have new episodes. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, both those feeds are up. Um, you can check them out in the YouTube description. Go make sure to subscribe. Do that. Five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts will help us out a bunch, but um, you'll find the episodes up pretty fast after the games happen because I'm going to try to burn through it. We're going to try to make it extra good for you as always. And let's get into it. Thursday night football. The game's still going on right now. About eight minutes left, but uh, it's a dumpster fire of a game for Houston, It's which is kind of funny because they looked good on that first drive. Saw a lot of the football people out there on Twitter saying, Houston looks great. What a surprise that they look great. And then immediately they get steamrolled. Don't put up any touchdowns. They're moving the ball downfield, but uh, Deshaun Watson right now looking very frustrated on the screen. But Pete, what's your big takeaway from this game here? The first, the season opener, are we finally like the junkies that we are have gotten a little bit of a tap into our veins of some football 
Yeah, first of all, I want to say how just the collective buildup, obviously all of us just so excited to have football back. But then like the second the games come on, they're like, oh, we got to we got to deal with a review or, oh, the play's a little sloppy or, oh, my guy's not getting fantasy points in the first four seconds of this game. And it was like, OK, that's the Twitter. I know just everyone immediately disgruntled after having this grand event come back into our lives. Yeah, I would say the takeaway for me is trying to parse out are the Texans um, just going to be bad this year and more sloppy without, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, just not have that rhythm to the offense with Hopkins moving the change. Or is this just, hey, this is the first game, very weird offseason, shortened uh, training camp and preseason. So we all know the Chiefs are just going to crush. So that's that's not a surprise. But yeah, I'm still the Texans are a riddle for me. Yeah, I I wanted the Texans to be good going into this year, and it's still, they may be. I mean, losing to the Chiefs, even if you get boat raced in the first game, uh, with the way preseason was, you know, not getting games in there, not being able to get fully into game shape. A lot of tissue injuries, which we'll talk about in a little bit for some of the injuries that scare us the most heading into week one. Like, I don't think you put too much stock in a poor performance as we get a, like a touchdown here for Jordan Akins, it looks like, towards the end of the game. A little garbage time score for him. Um, so all those Jordan Aikens best ball lineups crushing right now. Congratulations to those people. Uh, I, I really think that the Texans will have some opportunity to be better, but you know, Will Fuller's looked okay. Brandon Cook's not quite as rejuvenated as David Johnson. Like, I don't think there's DOA as people are going to treat them as after they get pretty much smoked today. Yeah. I do want to just stop you right there. Kind of butt in here. I, you know, once the game started at 8 20 PM Eastern, speaking of legalities, you're legally not allowed to reference your best ball teams anymore. <laughs> that, that time is behind us. It was up until that time you were allowed to post your exposures, you know, on our previous show, I was showing you, but now it's cut off. Now this is a, we're a forward thinking show. We can't look in the best ball mirror. We got to be talking DFS season long trade targets, all that stuff. Best ball. It, it's done, man. It's done. I did do one best ball draft this week, by the way, because I like many people out there got a free ticket from DraftKings. <laughs> Which I don't know where you stood on that debate, Pete. Were you? How are you feeling? Were you happy about the the influx of possibly lopsided basketball tweets? I know you're tweeting a little bit about it, but mostly tongue in cheek at all the a uh, lot of lot of whining online over it, yeah. which I get. Well, I mean, this is like again, I keep talking about legal things as if I'm joking. This one I, <laughs> is actually serious. I'm legitimately an investor in the underdog platform, which I think has a much better user interface and experience. Uh, hence why I've done so many drafts over there. So there was a little bit of Schadenfreude from my angle here for everyone that was um, on DraftKings. That said, I was talking about it with our friend Brian Hooper the other night, and it's just very poor form on DraftKings the way this happened. And to me, the issue isn't releasing the tickets, right? Like they can do whatever they want to get people in there. It's the fact that they don't update their ADP so that people who are getting timed out are just getting these garbage picks. Whereas if they update your ADP, you get timed out. Like how bad could it be? you get a running back that maybe 12 other people don't like quite as much. That's it. So to me, their entire user experience was kind of messed up. And how it all unfolded on Twitter though, was one of those train wrecks you couldn't look away from. So if we ever did underdog fantasy ads, like would that just be you paying yourself basically out of the investment kitty that you gave to them? It's funny you say that because every time I deposit on there uh, to fire at more best ball drafts, I can write it off as an investment in my head. I'm like, oh no, this is this is just coming back to me down the road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're gonna get the multiples at the end. That's what the goal is. Whether you're playing on underdog, we're not even doing ads for that. But I give a free ad. Whether you're playing on there or if you're an investor, hopefully you're getting multiples on your returns playing on underdog fantasy. A lovely site out there. Um, 
Anything else jump out to you? I'll tell you one more thing that jumped out to me besides Andy Reid's face visor, which, of course, uh, a mess of sweat and hot humidity. I mean, that's got to be Serengeti temperatures or Brazilian jungle temperatures, I would say, for that visor. What it like? So, you know, I'll, I'll just say this. I'm I'm very pro mask. I've been on the conservative mm-hmm. side of how we should approach all of this. That said, why does Andy Reid have to wear a mask and yet no one else, none of his players, anyone on the sideline don't? And I get that they're playing, but I'm just saying the kind of thesis has been that they're all quarantining together in camp, that they are getting tested daily. I'm just wondering, is it just for optics that they want the coaches on the sidelines to have these? I think it's so you're not transmitting to the referees and the other teams, so it's not the people. But yeah, theoretically, like, they are probably okay and, you know, as as highly tested as anybody out there, as we, as we saw in Hard Knocks, as we've seen with the NBA, too. Um, these guys are getting tested pretty much every day for the most part, unless you're the Rockets guy, Dan, Daniel House, who uh, I guess <laughs> got kicked out and uh, maybe brought a girl onto campus. But that's a different sport. doesn't matter. Um, but I think for Andy Reid, that's sort of what it is, is that you're trying to prevent just in case you somehow have it and don't know it. Um, would be the the thing there. But for a guy like him, a big guy, you know, like I, I've, I myself have put on my quarantine 15 during this time period. And you can feel yourself again, a little like sweatier. And he's got 10 times the quarantine 15 <laughs> just naturally. So can't be a good feeling for him. Here's a good, speaking of the quarantine 15, as it relates to Andy Reed. I mean, I, I personally love the cheeseburger references from a comedic standpoint. Do you think he is creating a good bit or do you think he is beating a dead horse by referencing cheeseburgers at every single press conference? Did you, did you see the animation during the game tonight of the cheese? Yeah. They were making a Sunday and then it's like, and he also enjoys a good cheeseburger. It's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's him leaning in on it in a way to make fun of it so that when people see him out in public, they won't always be like, Andy Reed, take eating a cheeseburger like he's at the zoo. I think that's basically what it was in a pre-coronavirus world because he would get stopped in Kansas City restaurants eating a burger and people would like you know take pictures with him so he probably's like let's normalize this a little bit more so I can enjoy my burgers in peace that actually uh you know maybe the playbook is kind of what has happened with Jeff Fisher of lately where you know there was all the seven Mm -hmm. and nine eight and eight jokes and he decided to just lean into it and have fun with it which again if anyone wants to know like the playbook for online PR and stuff, like always run with the joke, do not fight against it, embrace it. And it will go away so much faster than if you are trying to resist it. So I, I like what Jeff Fisher and Andy Reid do with that stuff. Yeah. Smart moves, especially given that I'm sure Jeff Fisher has got a podcast coming out or something. He doesn't seem to know how to use technology, but everybody's got the workaholics guys have a podcast coming out. I saw yesterday in the news. Um, I'm pretty sure Jeff Fisher has a huge deal with FanDuel now, does, I think is what he has. Yeah. Everybody but us does, I think. <laughs> so far, knock on wood, maybe one day we'll get that sweet FanDuel money or you know, maybe Pete can pay himself some of that underdog fantasy money. We'll see what the future holds. Uh, there we go. The other big takeaway from the game, I feel like has to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, I think we knew coming in, anybody who paid any attention for the most part knew he was going to be good. I do think the hype, machi- the hype machine behind him, um, you know, For me, having worked in the industry for a few years and having played since high school, fantasy, season-long, or DFS, like I feel like I've kind of grown averse to the hype machine to the point where I really do try to poke holes in it. But with him, it was a guy who was amazing at LSU. Maybe you could say the offense helped him out, but still, the raw stuff was all there for him. So it wasn't a surprise that he'd be good. But he's like amazing. And also, the people who are even more amazing than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire himself, everybody who said he was good really taking those victory laps nice and early on his career. He is one game in. He had a great day. 
and they're already like, well, wait till he starts catching passes and Andy Reid learns how to use them. And so really all the applause to those people out there. The brave souls who said Clyde Edwards Hilaire was a good pick. Uh, Pete, were you on? We, he wasn't one of our guys. We, so we fucked no. up already. Oh, yeah, wait, he, every, everyone pass. got to him first. They called dibs and then I was like, okay, I can't do this. But the one thing that I was thinking about too is when we look back at rookie running backs and fantasy drafts, the, the ADP has been fairly sharp in that the rookies who have gone really early, like Saquon, his rookie year was a top five pick. Ezekiel Elliott was and those guys smashed. And so when Clyde Edwards Hilaire gets up into the, you know, top five or six picks in a draft, you know, part of me is like, whoa, 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 he's a rookie. On the other hand, like the market is pretty efficient in that way. And it does seem like he's going to be one of these few rookies that was drafted correctly, as opposed to the ones in years past. We always remember Melvin Gordon, his rookie year, you know, they drafted him in the first year and just absolutely flopped. That was when Danny Woodhead was stealing all of the work. So to me, Clyde Edwards Hilaire with this game is kind of more solidifying for me that he is worth that first round cost. And also Andy Reid seemed way more willing to run the ball here. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll have to crunch the numbers. <laughs> you know, you and me will get our calculators out after this, but their run pass split skewed way more run heavy than I would have expected. Especially in that first half, it seemed like they were trying to get him going right away, and it, then it paid off when he broke that touchdown, which uh, I think according to Next Gen stats, he had plus 23 um, expected yards on that one touchdown run, which was basically supposed to be stopped in the backfield for any other running back. So definitely a good start if you, from a data perspective and just getting that much work as a rookie. I mean, he'll he'll probably pay off barring, you know, knock on wood, some sort of bad injury, but... Um, yeah. Is there anything else that jumped out to you? I guess Demarcus Robinson being terrible, I thought was kind of fun. Like, I, I don't know why you open up the year. Like if I'm Tyree kill, I think they were covering him pretty well. I get it. Maybe he, they also don't want to take it easy on him, but Demarcus Robinson shouldn't be getting like seven targets in any game really. Yeah, no, I was, I was texting my buddy Pat, um, because we had been drafting Michael Hardman on, on a decent amount of teams. And so you think the whole idea, he, you know, he flashed as a rookie, you know, Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins are, are older veterans, like, okay, this is going to be the year they start to expand his role. And so to watch them just come back out of this break and pick up right where they left in the Super Bowl in the playoffs is super frustrating. And then it's, you know, Sammy Watkins had a really nice game tonight, but like you said, Demarcus Robinson did not look good. And it's like, okay, we got to get Michael Hardman these touches that we're giving to Demarcus Robinson. I think it just said he's a bigger guy and they just view Hardman as doing the same thing as Tyreek. So why not go with the better version of Tyreek? But I never fully get that logic. You know, who am I to question Andy Reid, given both his zest for cheeseburgers and his offensive knowledge? Um, he'll tell you himself about both. But I do think that there are some things with with Robinson that uh, maybe are the reason why that we just don't think about. Because we just see a guy who's like, oh, this guy's really fast and explosive. Play him instead of the other guy. But Robinson, more of that possession receiver that I could see like a coach liking, even though you know, move move forward would be my my suggestion there. Um yeah, I guess that's sort of it for the Thursday night game. And of course, we're going to do these podcasts after every Thursday night. So we'll have some some quick reaction takes and the game's still going on. It'll be funny if like the Texans dig out of this because they have the ball again. They're only down 18. <laughs> well, and we're not too far removed from their uh, divisional round playoff game where what the Texans were up two and a, two touchdowns mm -hmm. or it, it was a, a significant lead and the Chiefs, of course, stormed back and won. So maybe they have a little revenge in him as we say that with 521 left. That would be pretty miraculous. I mean, it was also Bill O'Brien taking this sweet time in the third quarter. He's like, I don't need these extra plays. Let's run the clock out. Let's relax. Wolf Fuller, though. I'm intrigued by Wolf Fuller. I hope he has a good year. I hope he stays healthy. He was he was one of my guys, Pete, if you'll recall. So any success that he has moving forward, I feel like that's entirely due to me. 
there you go. There you go. All right, so let's talk week one. Um, and, and again, if you're watching on YouTube right now, help us out. Hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell. And of course, check the description if you're watching on YouTube for our subscribe links for Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And follow at Splash Play Pod because that is our handle, which will be having some fine content coming out, hopefully easily produced. I figured out, Pete, we didn't even talk about it. I figured out so many production wrinkles. And there's one thing on the video, which you don't even know yet, which I think you're going to find really adorable. <laughs> Wow. I am, uh, I, you know, we had talked about seeing if we could maybe bring a a producer on at some point to help us, but I just, it seems like you're relishing this role so much that, uh, you, you are going to bat away all potential producers. Yeah. I'm even wearing silly Hawaiian shirts like a producer would on a morning zoo show. So clearly it's all working out for me, but I my my extra free time. (laughs) This is everybody's benefit right now. Hopefully, hopefully. So keep watching. And again, we'll be back Sunday night. So make sure to tune in, uh, pretty much after the Sunday night game ends, we'll have something up not that long after that all right let's talk week one here um i guess the overview and uh we do have one bit that i'm excited to do our ride or die picks for week one which is what we're going to build up to here we're basically going to pick one player one either in a a season-long perspective or a dfs perspective or a showdown perspective or a player prop or an over under that might be too many things on it i'm saying out loud but we can choose basically one facet of each game and we're going to go through them all and give you guys what we think the best play is amongst everything so splash play we have the slogan that Pete came up with today maybe even delirious you just came up with it so fast but uh every game under the sun is what we're going to talk about here football wise and that's the goal that's why we have the beach attire we have a gigantic solo cup in that logo (laughs) just the size of a football um great to drink out of though if you get a solo cup the size of a football you are thriving i would say the branding is going to be especially funny when it's, you know, 10 degrees here in New England and I'm like all bundled up in my sweatshirt for this pod. And we got like our little Tecmo Bowl music coming in for going to the beach. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're a long way away from that. I think you would still wear like a, a furry jacket with the arms still cut off because that's your that's your brand, as we've discussed before. That's the sleeveless look is, is always the, the Pete Overset brand. Yeah, no, I will. I will. I mean, what's the point of going to the gym if you can't, you know, quite literally flex on the haters on the video shows all day? <laughs> exactly. So, hey, let's let's talk about week one. Um, I mean, look, we're talking about Pete's guns. They're in great shape right now. But some players in the league, Pete, Brett, how about that transition? Wow, that's truly it was chef's kiss. I mean, you are you're in peak form. I mean, as we referenced on the last podcast, the initial uh, lost tape episode, the notorious <laughs> introduction that I will continue to harass Chris about until he publishes it as a standalone video. But you are you're rounding into form here. Once we get the following up and then there will be some actual stakes to my shame. That's when we can go <laughs> with it. So if we had a thousand subs on YouTube or whatever. Is that the, OK, we got it. a thousand subs and Chris will release the lost tape introduction. The worst introduction also on our shitty old background too that I made in like five minutes or so we had something. Yeah, so it'll be a real gem here compared to the professional operation uh, you'll hopefully come to know and love. But Pete, you put some injuries in here. We have a lot here that's going on injury-wise today, um, which honestly, I didn't even see some of the news that you put in here. But uh, Mike Evans, I know, is banged up. It's questionable right now. He's got a history of soft tissue issues. Um, some other guys, Cortland Sutton, Kenny Galladay, Deontay Johnson for the Steelers guy. A lot of people are expecting to have a breakout year this year a lot of people's guy of course um who we talked about our guys last time Deontay Johnson uh certainly one of those guys for a lot of people in the fantasy football analysis industry Alshon Jeffrey I guess which of these were you the most Pete because I know some of these are late breaking the Sutton ones the Galladay ones so Galladay's always hurt I feel like that's just part of his shtick he probably he's like a pro wrestler who comes out with the ribs taped up every week and he's like so he could sell it during the game and look more impressive 
Uh, but which of these looks like it'll matter the most to you based on, I guess, your season long, your your best balls we can't talk about, or DFS? Yeah, I mean, th- today was kind of a, a roller coaster of emotions because the kind of Cortland Sutton, Kenny Galladay, uh, Deontay Johnson, these are all guys, and Mike Evans, that I was drafting regularly. These are all guys that are available from like rounds three to five, Deontay Johnson a little later. Uh, but definitely have lots of investment in these guys. And, you know, I think what's, it makes it such a gut punch is like, okay, I, the way I like to draft my fantasy teams is drafting a lot of wide receivers and people will go, how will you ever be able to use all of them? They're just going to sit on your bench. And I'm like, well, there's bye weeks and there's injuries that said, I wasn't thinking I would have to use them all so quickly. Uh, I would say the Mike Evans one is concerning in that it was the same hamstring injury that they had to shut him down for last year, put him on IR. And so that's a concern. If, if that's a lingering thing, you know, Cortland Sutton, it was first reported that he, you know, left, uh, hurt his shoulder, was getting the MRI. And when you first hear that, you're like, this could be a six to eight week type thing. The follow-up thing was that it was more um, not as big of a deal and that he's actually just day to day, which is obviously a, a huge relief. And then, like you said, the Kenny Galladay with his hamstring and Deontay Johnson with the foot. Um, I'm hopeful that those will be okay in the kind of midterm, but I mean, Kenny Galladay not practicing on a Thursday. I mean, tomorrow's really the the make or break day for for the practice report. So we're gonna have to stay on top of it, and um, it'll it'll be interesting. You definitely don't feel good starting these guys with soft tissue injuries in in week one. Yeah, that's uh, something that I feel like a lot of the uh, the medical type experts, or at least the guys who pretend to be, I really, I need to see more medical degrees on <laughs> people's Twitter bios, because I don't want to speak ill of any particular pro football docs. I know, Pete, you're, I think you're friends with one. I remember you had a, a sort of confusing Andy Kaufman meta work with one of the football injury doctors on Twitter uh, for a show that you did, but I, I don't know, like, I just want to know for sure, like, how confident should I be in what these guys are saying, but a lot of them do seem to be saying, though, a thing that's logical hamstring issue is going to happen more because these guys just don't build up that that muscle around it to be able to perform at a peak level and um you know that's that's definitely scary and i think something you can't account for it fantasy wise you definitely just have to play it straight but uh, like aj green like how do you account for him not playing in a year <laughs> like it's just it's, it's kind of crazy i have been my season long league too and I, i'm not thrilled with it i just uh, you gave me an idea though i was like what if we just abandon splash play and the sole focus of the show became this serial like investigation of vetting all of these twitter fantasy doctors and just kind of going back through checking their medical degrees checking out their hit rates and it's just like the splash play podcast becomes the truth teller in the fantasy football doctor industry space the woodward and bernstein <laughs> of the fancy football doctors has always been a goal here though i feel like we just got used to the new branding we can't have like what would the new branding be eight bit versions of us like dr mario because actually i can get behind that another way. it's funny you say that because i know because i had once used this clip a long time ago but there is the clip in techno bowl uh tech mobile where the ambulance comes oh, yeah. out and the player gets in and goes out so that's that's the new uh the new image for the rebrand <laughs> that's i'm glad as long as we have something we could pivot to that makes me feel like i'm a child again that's really always the <laughs> Oh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I don't really have any advice for the injuries for the most part. Like certainly guys, if any of these guys are out, I also, uh, and this is just something that's not data wise. And we do like to balance out some of the jokes and some of the trash talk and whatever with data. But Mike Evans, I feel like just kind of afraid of Marshawn Lattimore. Like I feel like he just gets shut down by him four out of five times. And 
Yeah, maybe if, if you want to not look, get embarrassed and you're in front of your new pal, Tom Brady, you don't, you don't want to lose your supply of TB12 supplements. You can't get shut down by Marshawn Lattimore week one. So maybe that's a little bit of a game within a game for Mike Evans. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's um, a little bit of troll equity there, which I know we're going to roll into here. Although when we were talking about troll equity, I didn't expect to get so trolled with Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins tonight. So now I'm like regretting putting this on because it's already too painful. Well, you actually want, do you want to know something? So this is going to be, I mean, if you want some data credentials that I can bring to the table, but also another expression of the free time I have after uh, some unexpected job changes, which I'll talk about in my personal podcast, if you're listening. So subscribe to all the things at once. But um, I, I think that, so, so there, you know, Monte Carlo Sims, um, like Pete, do yeah. you do them or do you, you know what they are? I'm sure. I, I, I'm familiar with the concept of them. I do not do them. I'm pretty sure uh, Pete's bro- broadcasting partner, Brian Hooper, you mentioned earlier, Brick, pretty sure he does them. A lot of the pros do them. A lot of the guys I used to work with at Osimo uh, definitely use them too. And I have started to use Monte Carlo Sims. And first of all, they really slow down your computer real bad. <laughs> That's the first wow. thing. Uh, I, I didn't realize this is breaking news. You're in the Monte Carlo Sims streets. Yeah, I'm in me. I, I feel like James Bond. Those are the guys you see out playing Monte Carlo with your simulators. I guess would be the way it goes. But I, I just wanted to get a, another facet here because I've had more time to to take my my playing and my betting a little more seriously for this podcast, obviously, but also just for my own money's sake. And because um, normally when I was working at Osmo, I was doing live streams during every slate. Didn't really have the time to to research and build up the the profile besides the data that I'd normally look at and and have compiled in a, in a pretty way on an Excel. But yeah, like it feels like you're in the matrix, like or you're in my, maybe Minority Report with Tom Cruise where I'm like running Sims and I'm like, well, 88% of the time, Demarcus Robinson will get to 4X value. And um, it's going to give us a whole new wrinkle here for this, this show today, Pete. Uh, wow. Yeah. When can I subscribe to your uh, DFS projections? <laughs> well, we're going to do a Patreon, I think. <laughs> That's how we're going to do it. This is all like we're doing the fun YouTube thing and podcast thing. And it's all a long con to sell people mediocre projections based off of a Monte Carlo simulation uh, that I learned off of a YouTube video. (laughs) Yeah, I I did just notice you did uh, email Doug and you're asking for graphics for Spags's Sims, your new uh, (laughs) site you're launching. Look, it's uh, the Monte Carlo Sims are the wave of the future. But the important thing, though, is that, you know, you can see some of these plays happen. And the troll equity play of the week is one thing that I think Pete wanted to bring to the table. We talked about some guys today who would fit that criteria. One guy I was hoping uh, would bring a little bit of that troll equity. Actually, two guys. Darwin Thompson, I was hoping would be like the guy who just screws up both Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Daryl Williams. That was my my hope today. But who would be the play for the rest of the slate week one? We have a bunch of games Sunday. We have two games Monday night, which will be fun. And of course, a Sunday nighter between the Cowboys and the Rams. So who would be your troll equity play of the week, Pete? I I mean, we are coming off of the news. Uh, Odell Beckham going off at 5,900 on DraftKings after the week he's had, after the poor season. Everyone just, right now, when you hear the name Odell Beckham on um, uh, what he does in the bedroom standpoint, what he does on the football field, what he did previously, it has a negative connotation. Like, you do not hear Odell's name anymore and think, you don't remember the guy doing the one-handed, you know, catch over his head anymore. So, if Odell Beckham just went off, you know, for one of his quintessential classic games, 150 yards, two TDs, 
I feel like that would just be a beautifully magnificent troll. Well, I'll have you know, Pete, I might agree with this take. And in fact, Odell Beckham, uh, he falls one. <laughs> so here's the one flaw in my Monte Carlo system is I have to then count out loud like a toddler. He he falls one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seventh on my leverage plays of the week, Pete. So check wow. check us out. Patreon. No, we're not. Uh, <laughs> but I like him, too. I think he's at a nice price point. I think it is a funny thing to think about with, you know, you get this this situation that goes viral and he's really leaning in on it, too. We did our, our episode the other day with Odell as the cover photo and um, he's posting Instagram captions, making fun of it. Apparently, his girlfriend also made some joke about it. Like, it feels like it's almost like a ah, ha, ha, like everybody knows now might as well. Like, is this how poop fetishes get destigmatized? Because this is it feels like a big victory for all the poop guys. Wait, or, or is he just doing what we talked about with Andy Reid and Jeff Fisher? He's just leaning into it. He knows that if he tries to fight this, it's going to blow up in his face. So he's just embracing it. He's the poop guy now. I, I definitely respect it. There was a long, I mean, look, we're, we're already, we've, we've embraced the explicit rating. I feel like for the podcast, there was a long held rumor out there that Sylvester Stallone used to pay women to have, uh, to, to do the Odell Beckham on glass tables as he would lay underneath them. Have you heard well, this before? I haven't, but that's that's why you come to this podcast because we all get to learn together from the perverted mind of Chris Beck. I just I, I absorb a lot of information, not specifically related to poop, but I, it's certainly one facet of the knowledge base. And I ran a couple of Monte Carlo Sims, and it seemed like uh, the poop fetishes were all the rage for even back to the seventies. So that's it's kind of data I'm bringing here. Um, my troll play of the week. I think so. There's two here that I like, and they both are kind of correlated to the Washington football team. That's one too. I don't know how if you've caught yourself at all, Pete, uh, saying the R word at all, but I haven't said it in a broadcasted thing yet. But I've said it like while talking about the Washington football team, and um, and that's when I feel like you can't you can't slip on that one as long as people did San Diego Chargers. Yeah, I've actually been pretty good so far. I think I I think because because it's still Washington football team and you, you start out saying Washington that even if you have a momentary slip, you know, there's multiple syllables there to catch yourself because it's like, I'm going to say Washington a football team. Like you just are able to save yourself right at the end. So I'm, I'm doing good so far. Do you think because I go to shorten team names more? So I'll be like, Oh, the Cowboys in the, and it's like, Oh, and I don't think like the Cowboys in the football team like that. <laughs> I, I actually think we should make that a thing because I agree with you. You want to just say the mascot. Sometimes it's just easier to do to it. So yeah, Cowboys in the football team. The Cowboys. Like yeah. The football team is, I guess their mascot would just be themselves, which is some sort of paradoxical wormhole being open. I would assume with that one, but I think with them, uh, Antonio Gibson's a guy we talked about in our last, our last episode. And I would say for him, JD McKissick being named the starter people then on Twitter, especially, and I don't want to always point to Twitter as like, as though it's just one person. There's obviously a bunch of people saying different things. I think a lot of people pointed to, uh, this is something that Pete wanted to talk about, which we didn't have time for last episode, but some of the depth charts and people reading too much into them or questioning like JK Dobbins being a fourth ranked guy for Baltimore. But people were like, JD McKissick is a starter. Like he's not really the starter. It's definitely Antonio Gibson. And it would just be hilarious if McKissick just has like 20 touches for 200 yards. Like he would be my troll play by far yeah no though that is a that is a really good one uh actually and i'm gonna i'm gonna piggyback off uh that as well of similar line of thought so obviously fournette gets cut by the jags goes to tampa i don't think he's gonna do much and even if he did do much i don't think that's too troll worthy but dara and goomba wale 
who is their pass catching back, also the captain of their special teams, he gets released because my theory is they were too scared to tell LaShawn McCoy that he had to go after they just brought him in. And so they're like, I think this is an easier conversation to have with Dare. So they send Dare out. He signs with the Jags. So essentially it's a a one-for-one swap there. And I think Dare having like catching eight balls or something for the Jags now with a Zigbo on IR and just a UDFA James Robinson kind of toting the rock with uh, obviously Chris Thompson still there too. But the troll equity of Dare just going off for the Jags would be hilarious. Chris Thompson, for the record, also popping really well in the Monte Carlo sim. So I would say he's the other guy too. Like it's all tying back to the Washington football team and and those players who so bravely have represented it amidst incompetence and sexual harassment for so long. Uh, they keep doing it. But actually, fun fact too about my best ball team, the one best ball team I drafted, even though it's after the fact, I don't care, Pete. You know what? I got a white claw here and there are no laws. So that's what happens. Wow. That's why I'm so jealous of you because you're just gearing up. You're just on your Thursday night. Who knows what you guys do out on the West Coast at this time? And me, I got my water. I'm, I'm, you know, thinking about brushing my teeth here and uh, and winding down. I mean, I was thinking about opening the White Claw and having it while we do just to capture the fun splash play party vibe that we hope to establish here. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to drink water. Pete seems tired. <laughs> I want to come in here. But point being, yep. there are no laws. And I'm going to talk about my best ball team. Uh, Devin Ozigbo actually was on my best ball team along with James Robinson because I figured I could capture some part of this Jacksonville backfield that's going to go incredibly terribly. But imagine having a guy, though, on the IR already. I know it's the short form IR, but... Um, that, that was definitely a bit of a kick in the nuts. <laughs> I already have a guy on IR on my one best ball team. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, that's how I was kind of today with the Cortland Sutton because I thought he was going to be out like half the season when I read those initial reports, and I have him on basically every team. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I remember why I also hate football as much as I love it. <laughs> I Yeah, I, we will talk about Cortland Sutton here because we are going to go game by game. And again, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, hit five stars, and give us a review too. Tell, tell us about your guy for the fantasy football season. Tell us who you're mad about. Just put something in there because we need to get started here, and we're and neither of us us is particularly good at pandering for, for approval so um, just in our actions but not in terms of actual asks for approval uh, so help us out five stars and review and subscribe and do all that stuff all right first game up here and we're going to start with a real exciting one it's going to be Chicago Bears going into a matchup against the Detroit Lions 19.5 implied points for the Bears Detroit implied for 22.5 and of course as we talked about up top the name of the game here is ride or die we're going to give you our one ride or die pick for each game, and it can be a player prop, can be a fantasy play, it can be an over-under, um, any of those things, because that's what we do here. All the fantasy football and football things under the sun is what we're covering. I'm getting that branding out there. God damn it. <laughs> but uh, And then we're going to compete, and we're going to keep records and all that. And actually, I should open up a little spreadsheet here. But Pete, this game here, the Bears and the Lions, you know, we talked about Kenny Galladay, his injury concerns, Marvin Jones, another dude who's would benefit if that were to happen. But if you had to pick one facet of this game that you find to be your ride or die and that you think is going to have a positive outcome, what would it be? Yeah, I think the kind of the macro thing that's most interesting is I think this has the the shootout kind of potential uh, to really yield some nice fantasy scores. We've seen... Mitchell Trubisky being a Millie maker winning lineup before. So the most interesting thing to me is, you know, they bring in Nick Foles. Everyone assumed he was going to be the starter, but you know, the incumbent Mitch Trubisky, at least for now holds on to the job. Does he have 
one of those just classic Trubisky games. He rushes for two touchdowns. He throws one to Allen Robinson, one to Anthony Miller, uh, one to Jimmy Graham, whoever. Uh, that's what I'm looking for is how does Mitchell Trubisky uh, play right out of the gate knowing Nick Foles, big dick Nick, is peering peering over his shoulder. So are you, so are you saying that Trubisky then would be a man that you would back in DFS or as a player prop? Yeah, he is. I would say Mitchell Trubisky is a guy, you know, it's the ultimate DFS player hedge to be like, oh yeah, I'd sprinkle him in, in into some of my <laughs> tournament lineups. But yes, I'm going to go out of my way to have a little bit of Mitch Trubisky this week. Okay, so I actually, you know who agrees with you, Pete? A little person I like to call Monte Carlo. <laughs> our old pal Monte Carlos chimes in. And um, actually, Trubisky, according to my simulation here, uh, would be one of the top leverage plays. So relative to his ownership, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I won't say where I'm getting the ownership from, but it's a site I used to work for that rhymes with Jossimo. Uh, <laughs> actually, no, subscribe, I guess, to them. Go, go do their stuff. Go watch their show on Saturday. I'll be doing the On the Contrary thing. Um, but... Yeah, he's the number four quarterback relative to his ownership in terms of chances to be like a top value play on the day. So he's a dude who I'll back up your take there. And actually, you know what? I'll double down on it um, because I'm not as confident in the Lions side. I do like Stafford. We talked about him, I think maybe in one of these shows, but uh, one of the best deep ball throwers last year before we got hurt in terms of volume and in terms of just getting the results over and over again. So that's, that side does look good. But Allen Robinson is a dude who I made sure to get in both my best ball league and in my season-long league. I just think he is really going to be... I mean, that quarterback situation last year was about as bad as you can get. And he was still one of the top targeted guys, had a ton of fantasy points per target, um, still had a catch rate about 60%. So like he was doing all the stuff that you want to see. So Allen Robinson, to me, I would say... He would be my DFS guy to take from this one. Um, you know, we'll take some over-unders. We'll take some different parts. So, But we're both taking a fantasy guy here. And I'm going to mark it down and let's get on to the next game. Is there anything else here you want to talk about with Chicago and Detroit? We're trying to make these fast. No, let's, let's, let's move it along. All right. So Mitch and Allen Robinson. This is going to be the part where we could use a producer to do this. Or I, could just, I guess I could do it afterwards. That might be more logical. <laughs> It'll take me very little time. Next game up, the Jets. Ugh, the, the putrid Jets, at least according to Vegas, not looking too good. Adam Gase, I think a coach that really, uh, you might be hard-pressed to find anybody who actually likes him as a coach or doesn't find him incredibly unnerving. Going against the Buffalo Bills, 23 implied points for their side. The Jets, I think the lowest implied total of the week, at uh, 16.5 for them. Uh, I like the Bills defense for DFS, but I would say for betting, I'm actually going to make my bet. I'll take the over on this one because I do think the Bills put up some pretty big numbers here. Having Diggs in the mix, you know, I, they're always terrified of having Josh Allen throw for Buffalo because that is how they lose. But he also is a guy who does throw a pretty nice deep ball, at least a good portion of the time. And Diggs can actually be someone who can get under it and do some damage as well as John Brown. I think John Brown, you know, he's not going to get the same volume he did last year. But either way, I think Buffalo is going to score a lot, even if the Jets don't. Uh, so I'll take the over under or I'll take the over rather in the over under for this bills and jets game. What do you got? Yeah, I promise we will argue eventually, uh, but not now because Diggs is my, my ride guy here, as opposed to dying with him. I think Diggs has been just undervalued, uh, across, uh, a lot of formats throughout the off season in drafts and also just in a, in a bigger football sense of what he brings to this team. I mean, People got down on him because he was banged up a little bit and because the Vikings didn't ever throw the ball. But Diggs is an objectively really, really good wide receiver. And I think the things he does for this offense, you know, John Brown's a very serviceable wide receiver, but he's he's more of a natural number two. So to bring in an alpha like Diggs, who has a natural 
kind of uh, connection with a guy like Josh Allen who can throw the deep ball. I know people like to bust on his accuracy, but he does have a big arm. Uh, So I agree with you. I see a lot of points. I think this Buffalo team is going to be very fun, very fast paced. They're going to score a ton And the jets have kind of a stiffer run defense. I know that's not historically sticky year over year, but at least on paper they do. So theoretically, if they can't get the running game going, I think Diggs has a really nice debut for the Bills. Yeah, I think Diggs is really the best possible version of John Brown, and then as a result, he makes John Brown better, and that's sort of a a nice combination there, though I could easily see Diggs being unhappy with, uh, you know, if he gets the the seven targets that Brown was getting last year. Like, that might not be enough for him, but... Uh, for this week, I agree. So take the over there um, and, and take some Stefan Diggs and whatever whatever games you're playing. I feel like he's more of an afternoon slate guy, if we're being honest. <laughs> he's not really the – I don't want Diggs on the full slate. I think uh, more of the afternoon slate. Well, Next- you're going to have to get him on the early slate because he's a 1 p.m. game. Oh, that's well, of course, of course. That's <laughs> well, I meant afternoon. I'm like, for me, it's the afternoon slate. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're right. With the time zone difference, I should have specified. And um, and that's one thing that we always aim to achieve here more than anything on Splash Play is accuracy and uh, never making mistakes. And the war to determine which is the best coast in the legitimate time zone. That's really what this show is all exactly. about. Exactly. Who's the real winner, Hawaiian shirts or sleeveless tees? We'll find out this week in Ride or Die. Who's going to be the Ride or Die in this next game of Battle of the NFC North? Green Bay getting 21.3 implied points, heading into a game against Minnesota, 23.8 implied points for them. Also worth noting, too, with the Vegas totals, part of this should be a part of your process if you're not doing it. If you're a casual player, you should still be paying attention to the over-under uh, making sure to keep your eyes on which games are going to have the highest totals because odds are Vegas is going to win more often than you are and that's going to help you make better plays uh, but this game not a terribly high total uh, two teams that did want to run the ball a lot last year um, I I do like the offenses but I think for me I'm actually going to take an under here which I feel gross doing that nobody ever wants to take the under but we're professionals here and I feel like taking an under here for two teams that kind of slog it out going to probably kill some clock Minnesota's defense is worse. That scares me, but I'm taking the under in this game. That was going to be my bet. I was, I was going to do um, maybe a fantasy take. And then I was like, no, I'll mix it up. I'll, I'll do a, do the under here at 45 and a half. Um, we're in lockstep. I think everyone knows Minnesota plays very slow, likes to run the ball, but I think there's this connotation in our heads generally by the public that is, Oh, it's Rogers. You know, they want to air it out, but every single move they have made in the off season has signaled that they are shifting away the burden of the offense from Rogers to the running game. They draft AJ Dillon, who's kind of a, a Derek Henry esque uh, sized running back to me that's saying like, Hey, let's try to kind of emulate what the saints were able to do with drew Brees back in the day where you had Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara and you had one alpha wide receiver, the Michael Thomas here being Devontae Adams. And sure, Rodgers to Adams is still going to be a great connection. But for the most part, they're going to want to win on the ground and, and run out the clock. So this total seems a smidge high here. I just referenced Pete's Monte Carlo Sims. And I think you definitely got to hammer the under. All right. So we're both on the under for this one. So that's going to be, I mean, look, we can pick the same thing. I think that's totally fine. And if we are just choosing a ride or die, that's what the segment is. And um, honestly, I'm kind of terrified now that I'm thinking about it, like what our record's actually going to be because we're mixing things up and putting different ones. Like when we talked about it earlier today, I was like, oh, maybe we'll we'll have better results because we could pick whatever. But I think now we might be already out thinking ourselves. (laughs) It's going to be terrible. Maybe, I mean, obviously we've, uh, the train has already left the station for this one, but maybe (laughs) for next time, Time, we could standardize it of like obviously we have the over and the under we have the spread and then we could pick a, a sports book or whatever for their player props 
and, and then use that or use somebody's fantasy projections um, for, you know, say it was Kenny Galladay to get, you know, 18 fantasy points. And then we can take over unders on that. And that way it's at least standardized uh, as opposed to us just kind of bouncing around. I mean, I like the idea of us getting this all right somehow, but oh, <laughs> I just yeah. worry slightly about the alternative, but we'll, we'll hone it and get better. And we want to make sure we're giving you guys, because one thing Pete and I didn't want to do is do the traditional, like, let's talk about every guy take, and we're just going to focus in on the best angle that we see. And speaking of this game, Vegas going into Carolina, um, kind of a surprising total here. I feel like the line has shifted over the last few days, at least if I'm remembering correctly. Vegas favored by three here on the road, 25.3 implied points for them, 22.3 for Carolina. I don't know how Vegas got any better defensively. They were a terrible team against the pass last year. Carolina, a terrible team against run, one of the worst, and they only lost even more guys. They lost McCoy, I mean, who definitely wasn't a great run defender last year, but they gave up 5.2 yards per rush last year. So I think this is a Josh Jacobs smash spot, but more importantly, I mean, look, I'm going next level here. I'm already breaking the game. Josh Jacobs going to go off. And then in return, Carolina's going to have to sling it to their fullest potential here. And there is a reason. Uh, you don't know this yet, Pete. Teddy Bridgewater, actually, our, our photo for today's video, because I love Teddy Bridgewater. And um, I'm going to go down the Teddy Bridgewater ship this week. So Teddy Bridgewater being the DFS play of the week, perhaps even the top quarterback scoring in terms of the Sunday main slate is going to be my pick. Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, so I, I'm not going to do Teddy Bridgewater, but we still are in a macro sense agreeing. And I just want the listener to know I am sharpening my knives. The second that Chris makes a mistake with one of these takes, I will crush him for it. I will eat him for dinner. But I think he's right here. And I'm going to say, I'm going to take the Panthers money line. You know, I do not think the Raiders should be a three point road favorite. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in football. I actually already bet the under on their season long uh, win total. I think it was at seven and a half. I mean, I believe the stat I heard was last year. They, all of their victories were uh, less than a score, uh, which is generally a pretty uh, high signal for variance. And that's very hard to replicate winning those, you know, so-called coin flip games when they're that close. So to me, they are a bit of a mess. I mean, Derek Carr is serviceable. Um, they do have a good offensive line. Uh, but I, I just do not think that they should be favored here on the road. And, and I'm with you. I'll take the money line for Carolina. And I just have to say, even though, you know, we are only given one pick for these or our, our best foot forward possible. And I do like you taking a money line that, that wasn't like that. You didn't take a favorite. You took the underdog with the money line. So courageous move by you, even if it is not plus EV for our ride or die game. But I think this Carolina stack too, like I'll be playing it a lot in DFS this week. Uh, Curtis Samuel, apparently not looking that good in camp. It's been a lot of more and a lot of Anderson and uh, both guys going to be not too highly owned. And if Teddy can throw it deep, which his numbers look pretty good in a clean pocket and he didn't throw it deep a lot last year, but when he did, it worked out more often than not. So um, Carolina, I think is a very sneaky team. They might probably not gonna be good in real life. We talked about this on the other show the other day, uh, but they are going to be a fantasy viable team. I would think uh, let's try to get a little faster here. It's my, I'll move it along because I am, I'm doing this one slowly and luxuriating too much. Indianapolis getting 26.5 implied points in a game at Jacksonville. Who's getting 18.5 implied points. So an eight point spread favoring Indy. Uh, I like T.Y. Hilton a lot for DFS. I think he's going to be pretty highly owned, which scares me because we certainly know uh, that he's going to be a guy who can disappoint, can put up those short days. Uh, but still, I think Rivers loves to throw the deep ball. You saw it a lot in 
uh, for the Chargers last year. And I think his arm is not quite as bad as that looked last year. Uh, the Chargers kind of put him in some bad spots, I think. And I think him having Hilton, I think him having a new roster here, him having Frank Reich as a coach. Uh, Philip Rivers is one of my guys this year, but he's going to make T.Y. Hilton my guy this week. So he is my ride or die pick. Pete, you're up. Yep, I, I'm going to stay on brand. Other side of the ball, my guy, LaVisca Chanel. I've been hyping him up all year. He's cheap on the DFS sites. I think people still have a stigma about rookie wide receivers. But uh, the beat reporters literally uh, today or maybe it was late yesterday posted that, you know, they're not allowed to share exactly what's going on in camp, but that they're using LaVisca Chanel in all these crazy ways. He had a track record at University of Colorado for getting some goal line carries. And now they're they're losing running backs left and right. So to me, that tweet is hinting at some red zone packages for LaVisca Chenault. I think he's going to be a pretty exciting player out of the gate. And that holds true for this game versus the Colts. So what does that mean for you, though? Like, should people be playing him in DFS or should yes. they just be watching him and rooting for him to to make you and your tiny helmet look good? That, no, it sounded like say, a dick joke. It was, <laughs> to be clear, he has, he has a very an undersized LaVisca Chenault helmet. I think it's... Well, let's. I think he's 4,400. On DraftKings, normally I would say at that price tag, like a what a three or four X multiplier would would be pretty damn good. I'll say he uh, he four X's his his salary gets you around sixteen fantasy points. All right, I'll accept that though. DJ Chark, I, I think uh, I, I like DJ Chark a lot this year though. I have to say the Monte Carlo not backing up DJ Chark, which kind of made me sad, but. Uh, but I guess, you know, that's another one for the DJ to spin next time. I don't even know what that meant. Let's keep going here, though. Let's, let's ignore and get to the next game. Cleveland getting 20.5 implied points against Baltimore, who's a seven-point favorite at home. Um, lots of things here I feel like you could go to. And we talked about Odell, and I, I honestly think that's the one thing that I would do here. Um yeah, I think it's got to be Odell for me. I would take, I mean, I would take some props on his catches being over uh, whatever you can find Vegas-wise for the most part. But I just think he's going to be a really good DFS play. Um, I really think that he's going to have a better year, uh, poop-related or not. I think he's uh, just, it's got to be better than it was last year. So uh, Beckham is going to be a guy in my, nobody ever calls him Beckham. I, David Beckham's going to be in all my lineups this week in DFS. All right, I'm going to, we are going to argue here. I think, I think Cleveland is, just has the makings of one of these dumpster fire teams where like it all blows up to the point where I think I might've mentioned this on a previous show where Baker Bayfield is just not even in the league in a couple of years. I, I just think this team uh, just feels incredibly fragile to me. And on the other side of the ball, the Ravens are, you know, right there with the chiefs as the best team in football. So this spread at seven and a half at home, I know they're division rivals. I know they normally play each other close, but again, we talk about, you know, this shortened off season, I think the teams like the Ravens with a ton of continuity are going to absolutely smash. And for me, I, I'll take the seven and a half points uh, with Baltimore. And we saw it last year in those games with Cleveland and Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore ran all over them and Cleveland's run defense. I don't think they did much to change it this year. I mean, uh, they're going to five yards per rush last year over almost 150 yards per game on the ground. Uh, not great for, for Cleveland. So definitely a spot where Baltimore can crush. I, I just want Odell to bounce back. I, I've, I have a soft spot in my heart, though. I don't know if this Kevin Stefanski offense will be it, but uh, we'll see if I ride or die with that one. Next one up, Philadelphia heading into a matchup with the with the football team, of course, and Washington. Philly getting 24 implied points. Washington getting 18.5. Um, I would take Philly, uh, even with that point spread, even with the road. I think that offense is going to come out and, and lay it down on him. I think Deshaun 
Jackson in particular is going to explode. He's the week one king. We all know that if you've played football enough years now. Uh, but going against the former team, going against the Washington team whose secondary was garbage and Ron Rivera, I don't think changes that equation very much here. I just think Philly rolls. And if they don't, y'all know what it's like to be a Philly fan. There you go. Yeah, I think from a fantasy perspective, it's it's always hard to know uh, what Philadelphia is going to do. They just have a you know a rotating cast of of injuries. They got multiple tight ends. They got this rookie wide receiver who was apparently out, but now is practicing in full. And Jalen Rager. However, on the other side of the ball, the Washington football team, we know what they are going to do. And to me, that is Terry McLaurin, and he is priced uh, very affordably on DraftKings, and he's not priced like a top 10 wide receiver. I think he easily finishes in the top 10 on DraftKings for full PPR scoring this week. See, I, the one thing that I think is that Philly's defense got better. I mean, like, if they at least made the moves that you would think they should be less embarrassing. Like, you bring in Darius Slay, you do make some changes in that secondary. So I, I worry a little bit for Terry, which which kind of scares me because I loved him so much last year. But uh, but I guess we'll find out here in this this NFC East battle that, you know, I hopefully Philadelphia steamrolls here because I want to win this You're going week. all hipster on me. You're like, I liked him before he was cool, and now everyone else likes him, so I'm out. <laughs> That's just me and my Hawaiian shirt, baby. I like to... <laughs> to play uh, the cool insider cards. But I, I was all over Terry last year, though, and he was really one of those plays where you felt like a genius getting him, and then after everybody else is on. If only we had our guys last year that we could have declared it, and I could have taken that ride with Terry. Next game up, Seattle and Atlanta. This one should be a very popular game this week. Uh, 25.8 implied points for Seattle, 23.3 for Atlanta. I like both sides of this equation quite a bit, but I will say for me, the guy that jumps out DFS-wise is Hayden Hurst. Um, I think he's going to be a beast this year. I think he's going to take over pretty much exactly what Austin Hooper leaves behind. Uh, Maybe Todd Gurley takes a little more than uh, Devonta Freeman did last year in the backfield, but I still think Hurst on a per numbers or on a per route basis looked really good in Baltimore. Uh, Ryan's going to find him even more. So Hurst, to me, I'll say, ends up as a top five tight end play on the, out of everything on the week. Okay, I, I'll I'll battle with you here uh, since I'm not a Hurst guy, but I am in on this Falcons offense. I think you know him changing teams that uh, in the shortened off season. I don't think he's um, kind of the talent level of you know even necessarily Austin Hooper. He was a little bit of a black box, you know, playing behind Mark Andrews last year. So I do get the intrigue and in what he could do in this offense. But to me, what I get excited about is Calvin Ridley inching closer and closer to Julio Jones as far as their overall production and how many targets he commands in this offense. And I'm just excited about this game environment versus the Seahawks. I always like, um, you know, the, the divisional teams normally play each other pretty close, but the exciting offenses with suspect defenses outside the division, that normally is a recipe for a lot of fantasy points. So give me Calvin Ridley scoring more points than Julio Jones this week and leading the Falcons in receiving. Wow. Okay. That is a, that is a double bold one. Cause now you're fading my guy, Hayden and, uh, and Julio, certainly the more noteworthy pick, I guess, probably a little better than Hayden Hurst. If I had to choose this Julio Jones, but all right. I, this game though, should be a fun one. I think, uh, honestly for week one, I feel like week one NFL, usually a little crappy besides the Thursday night matchup, but you get this game, you get the Buck saints game. Like those are a couple really big. If you're a big AFC East guy, you get dolphins Patriots. That's <laughs> at least got some bad blood in it. I don't know. I think it's an interesting week one. There you go. Uh, let's keep going here. Miami, 17.8 implied points against New England. They are getting 24.3. Uh, so they're about a six and a half point favorite there, at least according to the last numbers I pulled before doing this. Honestly, I don't love a lot in this game, um, but I guess 
I would take Miami to cover, I think. Uh, the New England defense just lost too many guys there. Uh, I think that's a concern for me. I also am not buying the Cam hype. I feel like they have put that PR machine on as hard as possible to make it look like they wanted Cam all along, even though they brought him in so late. They pumped up Jared Stidham so much. He ended up clearly not having enough to make them feel confident. And all the I just feel like all the stuff that's been buzzing around them where they're all like, oh, we love Cam so much. And then the reporters come out and like, yeah, he's been terrible so far in camp. Like some of the New England guys were saying at least. Um, so I don't know, but I would take Miami to cover. Yeah, it is a, a decent amount of points there. However, I do think, uh, I think I am on the other side of the coin that I am buying the Cam Kool-Aid uh, a little bit more. I mean, to me, the only concern with Cam has always been his health. And all systems are, or all indications are that he's fully healthy right now. And I think because they don't have a ton of weapons, I think they're going to ask him to do a lot of things creatively and I think the Pats are kind of free rolling Cam Newton this year and that if he absolutely crushes, they're not going to be able to afford him. You know, someone else will want to pay him more. And then if he disappoints, then they just move on as well. So to me, it's kind of that, you know, running back on the last, you know, year of his contract where, Hey, we're not worried. If, if you want to take off on the bootleg run, you know, if you want to do the, the read option, you want to dive over the goal line on the QB sneak. So I think early on before he gets nicked up, I, I think Cam Newton is going to be a fantasy beast. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll ride with Cam Newton here. All right, Cam Newton. So we'll see. This is one where we dif- where I think we differ a bit. I think Cam is part of a, a smoke screen for them to tank. Like, I think they think he's washed up. And then this is the, the Belichick long con is his guys opt out on defense. The defense sucks. So Cam has to throw more. Uh, just I wouldn't be shocked if Miami pulls it off here and Cam looks bad. But we'll see. Uh, and we'll talk about it Sunday, of course, on our next episode. Next one up here, Chargers getting 22.5 implied points against Cincinnati, getting 19.5 implied points for their end. So they are a three-point dog at home. Uh, but obviously, you're going to see a lot more of that this year because of the lack of fans and a good amount of the stadiums out there. I like the Chargers a lot. I'm kind of surprised with the total being where it is because I like Tyrod Taylor. I think he's going to be able to do some nice stuff here um, as the quarterback, being able to rush fantasy-wise in particular. Um Man, do I want to go with another? This is where I'm a little worried. It's like I might be talking myself to the Teddy Bridgewaters and the Tyrods of the world a bit too much. But I think I'm going to say Tyrod Taylor ends up as a top five QB this week in fantasy. Okay, yeah, this is, as far as like from a handicapping angle, this is one of those kind of just shrug your shoulders because you have what you would assume would be the kind of more veteran team Um, they're on the road, but they also have had a ton of injuries. Uh, You know, they lost Derwin James, Mike Williams, they're kind of stud number two wide receiver next to Keenan is probably not going to play. And then you have the rookie uh, Joe Burrow on the other side. That said, I just have this, this gut feeling that I I just think Joe Burrow and not that this is crazy to think Joe Burrow is going to be good, but I think he's going to be good right away out of the gate. And I think he kind of comes out here, you know, throws for three to four touchdown passes, makes it look pretty effortless takes advantage of the banged up Chargers secondary. So I'm going to go, I'm going to ride with Joe Burrow, the rook uh, coming out of the gate strong, similar to, I don't know if you remember Cam Newton's rookie year. He wasn't getting drafted hardly at all in fantasy drafts. They played the Cardinals week one and he just blew up and everyone's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. This was the league winner. I should have been targeting in drafts. And now I get him on waivers. I think that could be Joe Burrow this year. 
Yeah, I'm intrigued by Joe Burrow. I think we talked about him on the last episode that we did where uh, I think, you know, if the Panthers are really good offensively, I think that's going to be uh, a little bit of a ding on Joe Burrow if he looks bad in Cincinnati and then vice versa. If Burrow's thrown the deep ball amazingly and looking better for a Cincinnati passing offense that was really, really bad for a lot of stretches last year. Um, then Joe Burrow, I think we could say, is the one who gets credit and Joe Brady, uh, the former LSU offensive coordinator, doesn't. But um, I'm actually very curious to see that game and I'll definitely be watching that one as one of my one of my many that I'll be going through on my laptop. Uh, next game up here, Tampa Bay, 22.3 implied points going into New Orleans, who are uh, three and a half point favorite, 25.8 implied points of their own. Uh, yeah, man, I honestly don't love a lot in this game. I, I kind of feel like I don't have a great read on the over-under. I kind of feel like fantasy-wise, the, the pricing for these guys is not that great. Um, I guess I would say if I had to choose, I don't even know if we could do this sort of uh, either-or type prop. I'll treat it like it's a PGA bet, but I'll say Chris Godwin outscores Mike Evans, which I don't. that doesn't feel like the bravest take, but that's the only one I feel good about. I think Tom Brady's going to be good this year, if that counts as a... I don't think it's a ride or die, though, so I'll take that Godwin. I'll say... I'll say doubles up Mike Evans in terms of yardage. Okay. So I a little mean, bit, a little bit bolder. That, that was, I, I, I felt the weakness. I'm sorry. That was like a, <laughs> the only reason I think it's, it's, it's a, it's weak no matter what is because I think it's really uh, up in the air. If Mike Evans is yeah, going to even that's fair. play. So and, if this one, just, if he doesn't play, I'll say this is a push then I'll just, I'll take that. Oh, wow. How convenient for you. <laughs> Um, we're already i'm already lawyering us you did the lawyering earlier in the show now i'm lawyering my victory here this week in our rider dies there you go uh i am gonna go with uh ronald jones i'm gonna ride with him there was i i get the hesitation from a season-long perspective like they didn't bring in leonard fournette to just sit around like he is going to get work eventually that said i my buddy pat who's the world's biggest uh rojo truther sent me a link today to a press conference with Brian Leftwich where he was getting asked about the running backs. And they're like, you know, you got a lot of guys in here. How are you going to, you know, distribute that? And the way he delivered it, he made Leonard Fournette for this week in particular seem like an afterthought. He's like, you know, we're really excited for this game plan. You know, Ronald Jones has had this great camp. We got Shady McCoy, who's who's done a lot of good stuff. In, in literally, Leonard Fournette was like a, an afterthought after talking about those guys. So to me, it doesn't mean that Fournette is, you know, dead for season long. But I really think it's too quick to get him caught up to speed in this system that turnaround coming over from the Jags. And so I think Ronald Jones might suffer from, you know, some season long bias in DFS when he's a really good play this week in a shootout game as the primary back for the Bucks. See, I wouldn't be, I think it's funny that we would read the coach stuff differently where I think for me, the fact that you wouldn't mention Fournette makes me think like, oh, they're keeping him and they're going to give him like 15 touches right away just to be like, ah, gotcha. Because that's such a classic NFL coach thing to do, especially what's his name? Esquire Smoove, I feel like is the nickname for Bruce Arians that he goes by. Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing is like, Take tonight, for example, with so Clyde Edwards Hilaire barely played on third downs. They had Darrell Williams in there. And, you know, that that makes sense in that he's a rookie and protecting Mahomes is the Mm. most important thing. So they didn't trust him. And I'm just I don't know if they're going to trust Leonard Fournette on on one week notice to know all of these plays, know the blindside protections, all of that. I'm I'm hesitant to think that he's going to be ready to play a full complement of snaps. That's fair. I mean, in numbers wise, too, one of his big failings in Jacksonville was the goal line touches. So logically, it doesn't make a ton of sense uh, that you'd even give him that work. But 
We'll see. It's one of those uh, I would be prepared for anything, and I certainly wouldn't. So I respect your Ronald Jones take, perhaps somehow braver than my Chris Godwin take. Though I realize, <laughs> though, if Mike Evans doesn't play, he gets zero. So Chris Godwin couldn't possibly 2x him then. So I think in that respect, <laughs> the did, bet- did Did your friend Monte Carlo tell you two <laughs> times zero is still zero? That's, that's, <laughs> that was my math expertise really shining through. <laughs> Let's keep you know going. What, some- you know how like uh, TV uh, writers or movie reviewers, they'll sometimes be like, you know, in that movie, um, you know, New York was basically one of the the third characters in the movie. Someday they're going to say, Splash Play, this this Monte Carlo sim was basically one of the the, the third co-hosts of, uh, of the show. Well, especially with how advanced the AI is going to get, eventually it's just going to start talking. We wanted a third voice for a producer, potentially, and that's what we're going to get. It's going to be my Excel spreadsheet gaining sentience and turning on me when I keep giving incorrect picks on the show and blaming it. <laughs> it's probably how go. it's going to go. Uh, next game up, let's head to the NFC West here uh, for our final regular slate game on Sundays. And then we got, we'll burn through the rest of these because honestly, I don't have as much data for Sunday night and Monday night yet. Arizona at San Francisco. Arizona is a seven point underdog, 20.5 implied points for them. The Niners getting 27.5 implied points. I think Raheem Mostert ends up winning somebody a million dollars this weekend in DraftKings. So how, how's that for a ride or die? I think Mostert's going to get all the work here. And I think Arizona sucks at everything. So that's that's my pick. Yeah, I, um, you know, Arizona on the road here. Uh, one of my season long ride or dies, Christian Kirk. Uh, I think he has an absolute monster game here, uh, If especially if they're playing from behind. I think we know the Cardinals have a good running game. And if, if they're up in, in a lot of home games, they will be that they'll primarily run. But in this spot, and I think there's still some some question marks about, you know, the the macro trends of teams who change um, teams. It, it There's normally a little bit more of a, a curve to get acclimated. So I think Christian Kirk here could just benefit from the attention DeAndre Hopkins is going to draw while still being able to capitalize on his familiarity with Kyler Murray. So I think Christian Kirk has a big game here. I'll say 100 yards and a TD. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I like that. I I think Hopkins overall is, just, I mean, I, he might be appropriately valued for the season-long drafts, but I just don't see any way he gets as much work as he did for the Texans, where, like, he was the bailout guy, which they clearly missed today, but um, I just don't think it's going to be the case for the Cards, because they want to run first and foremost, and then they have enough other guys to throw to. Um, all right, let's keep going here. Dallas getting 27 implied points in a game with the Rams. Rams, uh, 24.5 for them, so they're a two-and-a-half-point underdog at home. Um, I think this one still hits the over here. The pace of both teams, uh, both teams played at one of the fastest paces last year. The Cowboys snapping the ball 25.4 seconds into the clock. Rams snap it at 25.5. So, uh, they, you, know, that, you might not know what that number means. It's from, uh, football outsiders. I'm, to be clear, I'm talking to the viewer, not you, Pete. Obviously, you know, <laughs> you know, all your pace stats, like the back of your hand. But for me, that's fantasy wise. It's always a good sign. Betting wise, also a good sign. And I also just don't think the Rams defense is going to be quite as good besides Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and the Cowboys have so many weapons there, um, but defensively might be a little better, but I think the Rams, I don't honestly, I don't know what to expect with the Rams, but I think the Cowboys put up a lot of points here. So I'll take that over. Yeah. And uh, I will also take the uh, Dallas, but uh, I'll take them with the points at minus three. I think Dallas kind of uh, takes the leap into that upper echelon of teams this year. I think they'll probably be right there along the saints as the best team in the NFC. And I'm with you there. I think they're going to score truckloads. I think this offense is just going to be so good. And I, I'm not convinced the Rams are, are a good team. The home field advantage is nice, but I think Dallas is going to be on a destruction path this year. And it starts with a, with a nice road win against the Rams. 
Yeah, a lot of talent for the Cowboys this year, obviously, as we all know, with those receivers and and Dak. And also, real fast, uh, go quick F you to Skip Bayless for the, the Dak Prescott take. Like, I'm not a mental health advocate guy by any stretch, though I do understand the importance of it. I'm not one of those people who feels a need to talk about it all the time. But if a guy comes out honestly about that, and you know, and, and it's important to destigmatize that stuff, especially for guys, especially in a place like Texas that hasn't perhaps been uh, the most uh, sentimental or, or understanding of anything. Um, yeah, that's like, it's just a BSy thing to do. And I, I get that's the business, but, um, you know, whatever. Dak's a good guy and uh, good for him saying something. Yeah. Now we, it, no one needs us to tell them that Skip Bayless is a hack. So, uh, <laughs> that's true. no, I, you know, it's one of the brave takes I wanted to put here. That counts as one of my ride or dies. <laughs> it's against yeah. Skip Bayless, uh, Monday night games here, Pittsburgh getting 25.8 implied points in a game against the giants. Actually, you know, do we even need to talk Monday night? Cause we're doing a show Sunday. <laughs> You're right. You're right. We could we could save this. The, yeah, you know, let's cap. There's a little teaser for Sunday night. Uh, we got all of our Sunday picks. Those are our ride or die picks. Those are the ones that will count. And again, we'll tally them up and we'll compete and we'll maybe hone the system as we go. But these are our, our little bits of, of wisdom. Hopefully that'll work out unless they end terribly, in which case uh, Monte Carlo let us all down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we just <laughs> stunned silence. <laughs> so I, I wasn't, I couldn't tell if you were building to the uh, to the outro there, um, and uh, I was like, wait, maybe, maybe he is just going out with Monte Carlo. I mean, Monte did steal the show, so I, I would have understood. Yeah, I mean, I I like him being personified. I think that's great, though a little bit scary in a Terminator way, but of course, make sure to follow at Splash Play Pod. It is the Instagram handle. It's the Twitter handle. I'm going to start putting some clips out starting tomorrow, so uh, make sure you are following all those. You'll see everything, and of course, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Hit the notification bell. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and in particular on Apple Podcasts, throw us five stars and a review because we are just getting the feed going, and your support's going to help us out a lot, so please do all that. Pete, anything you want to plug here besides, of course, your fantastic Twitter handle, at Peter Overzet? No, man, I'm uh, I'm excited to get Splash Play running. I'm also excited to uh, next time we record have a little bit uh, better of a night's sleep. You know, I'm uh, I'm, I'm dragging here, but I, I pulled through, and yeah, it just feels so good to have football back. It's super fun to to run through a slate, start talking about DFS, sports betting, all of that. So yeah, we are going to we're going to figure out our groove, figure out how to integrate. Uh, Mr. Monte Carlo into the show, all of that good stuff. And uh, looking forward to this season with Splash Play. Yeah, we'll be here with you guys. We'll be back Sunday night. So make sure to watch then. Follow me at Chris Spags, follow at Peter Overzet, and of course, follow at Splash Play Pod. And uh, we need a good outro line. And may all your plays be splashy. <laughs> We, that that's that's closer to the lost tapes. That's closer to the lost tapes. <laughs> we'll be back with you guys soon. Enjoy your weekends and uh, and goodbye. I don't have outro music, so I'm just gonna stop. <laughs>